This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Brilliant Beck, Magic Melon, D-Delighted. And Home Hiccups Harming Tangerines. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie, and joining me in the studio this week are Alan Temple. Morning. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And on the line from deepest, darkest Perthshire is George Cran. Hello. George, why aren't you here? Who cares? Let's go on with the business. Because, George, (laughs) because we knew that uh, Michael Mellon's debut for Dundee would be something special. We decided to hold off speaking about uh, the new partnership with Burnley last week. (laughs) For those who don't know me, that's code for I forgot to to mention it. But just as well, because I would have said last Thursday, I've seen these partnerships right up to clubs the size of AC Milan. I remember standing at a windswept Riverside once and I saw a huge AC Milan Dundee partnership banner and it was the only thing I ever ever saw hmm. that was tangible from that particular partnership these partnerships are very oh, nice and friendly and it's a good story for us still waiting for that film one to pan out for <laughs> yeah, United but, aye, but they don't <laughs> produce anything but, but in less than 20 minutes on Saturday hmm. doesn't matter what happens from here on in the lad Mellon it's very beneficial to Dundee to be tied in with Burnley if that's the standard of player they're getting, George. Yeah, they're already getting uh, the benefits, aren't they? Um, he'd, he looked absolutely excellent. Uh, just looked the business when he came off the bench. Um, Two assists one caveat goal. That it was, Yeah. One caveat is that it was Livingston and they're by far the worst team in the division at the moment, just look at the league table. Um, but they do expect them to, to make a real impact between now and the end of the season. And I think the, the other guys have looked decent as well. Derek Costello, I've, I've quite liked the look of. Um, he didn't get a great uh, rap from uh, St. Johnson fans, but I, I think he's looked quite good. Dundee defensively, he's, he's struggled a wee bit, but on the ball and going forward, he looks he looks a bit of a threat. And Dodgson looks okay as well. He's got a bit of learning to do, but it's, yes, he's got say. something about him, I think. I would do, yeah, to blow my own trumpet, another one, another fullback that has still to learn to defend, I would say, about young Dodgson, but that seems to be the norm in football these days. Barry, I know you were at Livingston as well, Bear. We're all there, Tom. Because I was, there. In, I was in my, <laughs> my once every four and a half years visit to an actual Scottish football game. And you got your money's worth as well. I did, I, I must, The game I must lasted about 120 I, minutes. I, I know. <laughs> got battered from my wife. She was up at the shopping centre. She was waiting. But I, I must admit, I enjoyed it and... I know you were impressed with young Mellon as well. Yeah, I mean, it's sensational. Right from the moment he came on the park, the first thing he, he did was get in front of the defender, control the ball and lay it off to a Dundee player. And I've been calling for that for, for quite a while. We, we seem to have been lacking somebody that can actually take the ball in and lay it off. And then he, he goes on to produce a couple of moments of magic, you know. I mean, the, the goal that Luke McKeown scores, the interplay between the two of them, yeah. great goal from Luke Looked like they played with each other for years. Yeah, M- McKeown lets the ball run across him, takes it on his right foot and then passes it in the net with his left foot and then obviously he sets up the vital third goal because at that point in time, that game really could have went anyway. I've got, I've got to say... It was time castle the sequel for, I, a, for I, a minute. Yeah, I never liked to sort of start feeling sorry for, for teams and managers, but I did feel a bit for Dave... Dave Martindale and Livingston because they put a hell of a lot into that game but you can see why they're at the bottom of the table when you fail to convert the amount of chances you have and you give away goals that they gave away only spells one thing Tom and it's relegation Aye. but Dundee took advantage of that I think they took advantage of the a, a, a VAR decision as well that went in their favour Mellon gets the ball across the box and, and fair play uh, to Zach Robinson for getting in but it took the heat right off Dundee because yeah. that last 15, 20 minutes was going to be hellish with 10 men and Livingston bombarding your box. They've got quite a few big lads in their team as well. Um, but it, it just knocked us. Just, just knocked to explain, steam right well, I mean. McCown got himself sent yeah, off. Of course, Dundee yeah. then conceded their second penalty of the game, which Livingston scored a minute later. And you think, well, I think it was about 12, 13 minutes yeah. to go, plus the plus, nine minutes yeah. <laughs> injury time that was played. They went and, to 12 and you're minutes. Thinking, <laughs> 
they've just blown a two-goal lead in yeah, midweek. Absolutely. Here we go again. Dundee, Dundee yeah. kick off and Livingston. Why didn't one of them kick it away? Well, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> it just I, looked like they could have touched the ball. They froze. Yeah, I mean, it was just a big lump up the platform. Joe Shaughnessy is basically trying to ah. find touch. And he's, he's just put it up into the clouds and two Livingston players go for it. When one should really be going for it and one tuck it in. And uh, there is a slight nudge from Mel. The goalie's in no man's the land. The goalie comes charging out and, and they take advantage of it and they get the, the three and you can breathe easily. Don't you yeah. can breathe easily at that point because as good as Livingston have been, it's highly unlikely they're getting back into this yeah. game. And the wind's been you knocked. You saw them. The wind's been Physically, right you right saw them. Right go, what have we done? Yeah. We've got back in this game and, in, and within a minute we've blown it and... It's what happens to teams at the bottom, isn't yeah. it? Speaking about that Michael Mellon last week, I was relatively confident that he would be a, a decent sign, and not just because he was playing at a, a pretty good level, but you know, on on our website, you know, a, few, God, a couple of weeks ago now, we put, put up an article basically kind of showcasing I think it was seven or eight of his goals, uh. and just the variety of those goals made you think there was a player there because we see a lot of guys that can score goals, but maybe a certain type of goal, but. He was showcasing a bit of pace, a bit of composure, physicality, yeah. could do things from outside the box. And already, in just a cameo for Dundee, mm -hmm. he's shown a creative spark, <laughs> he's shown a goal-scoring spark. Yeah. He, is. he looks a real all-rounder of a young man. And the fact, obviously, that he's so highly rated within the Scotland setup to have you know, been so involved in mm -hmm. under-21 squads, I think in terms of their loan business this season... You know, it's early days for Mellon, but if you combine him and Beck, it, potentially a couple of absolutely spectacular loan signings. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I think, the, I mean, the, the other telltale sign, I think I'm right in saying, George, because it was you that told me, that the reason the deal took a wee bit longer uh, to be rubber stamped was because Burnley wouldn't let him go out on loan again until he'd signed a new contract there. So they think he's got a chance. Yeah, they, they really... really Really highly. I'm, I'm not sure if they've actually announced anything about his new contract. Uh, <laughs> they have now. Just about, <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, <laughs> it's the advantage. But if he's of, no uh, signed it, they need to get somebody up here to get. You know what? No, he's not. It, it's it's not it's not done yet. But they're obviously. It must be well enough on that they're, yeah. they're able to kind of expect it's going to happen. They could send him up because um, obviously Alan Pace was was at Livingston the. Burnley chair, yeah. Uh, so that was a that was a good way to kind of seal off the deal. His, his first trip up is after the news broke of the, of the partnership that he comes up and sees Dundee win four one, and Burnley man plays a, a major part yeah. in that. That's that's always a good sign. Holy, well, I hope he um, I hope he's an American that doesn't know too much about soccer because he might say, "Get him back, get him <laughs> on the bench." <laughs> Having seen that, having well, seen that think, last yeah. night, he could they could do worse than have him on the bench. Well, that I think he, he's maybe he's been playing League Two, so he's yeah. maybe a wee bit off taking on Man City uh, <laughs> at the moment. But well, don't the other ones that were on the park last night. Then, <laughs> but then they'll, they'll point Dundee will point to Owen Beck, as Alan said. I mean, Owen Beck came up here uh, in the summer; nobody really knew who he was, um, and he's, he's come on leaps and bounds. At, uh, Dundee in the first half of the season I think Jürgen mm -hmm. Klopp said he came back a man uh, yeah. when he came back in, in January um, and to be, so to be serious about it Dundee well done to Burnley because honestly Burnley could say in five minutes if this laddie gets a chance he's nowhere ready to play in the English Premiership but if he gets a chance he could take it and maybe Bear and I in particular we can remember when uh, time when managers wouldn't let players like that go and it does restrict their development because they're not getting enough minutes on the park. So well done to Burnley for putting the boys' future first. Yeah, and I think from from all the, the multiple interviews that Alan Pace has done particularly, the one thing he keeps mentioning and keeps uh, hammering home is uh, it's about developing players. And you can see that's their um, overriding thing. It's not about money, it's not about anything else, but it's about sending their good young players up here to, to develop, get first-team game time, and they think the Premiership's a really good place to do that. Um, and there was a wee mention of possible Europe at some point, which would be good, uh, obviously, from our point of view. But, um, yeah, they see it as a perfect learning ground for the young players, and obviously with Dundee's record of, of bringing through their own academy players into the first team, they, they, they think there might be some players they can pick up from, from Dundee, and it's not a one-way street. Um, so... I mean, overall, it, it feels really exciting. And obviously, 
there might even be added stuff on the back of the the Hibs Bill Foley uh, agreement with an investment. With, uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, well, the Burnley chairman not say that if the rules, if they could tweak the rules a bit, he would invest. I think I think he said that he would be watching the the developments mm. on that particular mm-hmm. rule with interest, <laughs> and they have now developed. So, well, uh-huh. it would be very interesting yeah. the next time Alan Pace speaks publicly, because it's very easier for him to sort of hide behind the, well, actually, the rules are as they are right now, whereas now... I can just imagine slapping his head when he's yeah. like, oh, no, what do you mean I'm allowed? Well, the next time <laughs> the next time he speaks, a, pres- a precedent uh-huh. has very much been set, and I think George is right to pinpoint that. I think it's such an interesting precedent. I think we'll look back on this moment as a real watershed moment for Scottish football, because I don't think Bill Foley will be the the last by a considerable margin to to look at this because it's a especially with with brexit and things that the scottish market is a very um potentially attractive one yeah. if you've got english considerations um to create a sort of pipeline of uh, potential talent etc so um yeah interesting times yeah i think at, at times they've tried to protect it in a almost delusional way that they think, oh, we want our young players to be here until they're 22, 23, 24. Maybe, maybe they have to hold their hands up and say, that's not going to happen anymore. So get get good young players from all, from anywhere, an investment from anywhere, so that you can you can at least see if you think if you think of the Harry Suiters and the Ryan Golds, they were hardly seen here before. They were snapped up, and at least okay. Beck's never been uh, a player at a Scottish club. Mellon's the same, but at least you're seeing boys who are worth seeing playing football up here, and it's maybe not a bad thing. You're also sharing expertise, which I know fans can yeah. sometimes roll their eyes and. Listen, don't get me wrong, sometimes that can just be a press release. Sometimes it can yeah. be meaningless. However, see if you genuinely are sharing expertise in terms of you know, best practices in sports science, fitness, uh, building physicality, technique. Anybody that thinks they don't have better coaches and infrastructure in England than they do in Scotland is kidding themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a different planet down there that just is. because of finances. So there's these partnerships, if they're done properly, can also have real benefits just beyond what we see on the surface, which are financial benefits and player X coming on loan and scoring a few goals for you. I think it's... In an ideal world, you could be completely self-sufficient. Of course, that's the way yeah. you would always want it, but we don't live in an ideal world. And um, if if done properly and if due diligence is done, then I think it's quite an exciting time, to be honest. Yeah. And George, the other bit of great news for Dundee fans this week was the return of Beck. As we predicted, George. Did we? Yeah. <laughs> I can't George. Remember. You did. Was it, was I said kept, we did. Kept the door we open. We did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kept the door open. It was the, the hope was always there. I mean, we'd been been in this situation just twelve months ago. Uh, Zach Robinson was obviously a star player in the championship, and he got recalled, and then played one minute or two minutes for Wimbledon, and then the hope was he might come back, and it's paid off again with uh, Owen Beck, and he looked a little bit rusty. Uh, Aberdeen. I mean, he's only played about seven minutes, I think. Uh, since the turn of the year, but you could just you could just see the impact he makes on that team. He just he makes it a completely different prospect for for opposition to come up against Dundee. The left flank's just so strong now because going forward or going back, he's he's a top player, top player in the making. Certainly, um, Liverpool think that, which tells you tells you how good he is. Um, but they're also delighted with what Dundee have done for him. And, and he spoke after that game at Aberdeen. And he spoke. Really highly of uh, Tony Dockett in particular, um, and in the whole club. Uh, obviously, fans heard the news that uh, possibly coming back, so they went and waited out uh, the Gardine uh, training <laughs> centre to, to see him in, which is fantastic. I mean, I've never heard anything like that. I have to say, not for a long time, anyway. Well, I remember being given a free. Fabrizio Ravinelli Dundee top because Giovanni Di Stefano had about three dozen printed <laughs> made up <laughs> and nobody was there when he arrived. Oh, <laughs> he top. I was like, oh, I'll use it for running. <laughs> we use it for running very slowly. <laughs> Succ- succulent lamb journalism there, a wee Ravinelli top just to keep you sweet. Oh, that's like it. 
Well, in fairness, with Giovanni's corrections, you didn't want to see no facts. <laughs> 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 but uh, but uh, it's, it's quite amazing. Oh, Bear, I, mm. I know you were at Pataudry, as was George. Dude, was Curtis mean? Uh, do you think as you uh, join in with everyone else and welcoming Beck back after the last minute yeah. <laughs> instant well, where Beck decided I'm, to I'm, do an Andy Robertson shot over the bar? I, I've got to say, I, I watched and well done to Scott Tiffany for creating the opportunity for him. You know, he chased back and took dispossessed Aberdeen player and he puts Beck in. But from the moment Beck got the ball, he was never going to pass across the box to Curtis Mayne. And when I saw it again on the TV, I would have had to have been bang on the money yeah. there was an Aberdeen player actually in between him and he would have had to slip it through his lost legs it. Or, or maybe, it to Maine, it's a goal but yeah but I think with Beck's talent I think he just tries to take the skin off the ball Tom yeah. you know he just tries to hit it a wee bit too hard I was waiting for the net to bulge you know and it, you know, I, I would have been the final nail in the coffin for Barry Robson but as things turned out the final nail was already yes. in the coffin you, I always think you know your numbers up when both sets of supporters are singing. You're getting sacked in the morning. <laughs> yeah, to say, oh, you know. But uh, I feel like that late chance. People were looking at the final still frame of yeah. it and saying, "Oh, you've yeah. got to square that." No, it wasn't I don't quite think as the simple as that. See in real time. Yeah. I don't think the pass was ever no. really on. I, I and especially with with Curtis Main did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's how many times have you seen strikers throw yeah. their arms up? They don't get. They want the ball in any circumstance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let him off for that one because it was just great to see him back. The energy and drive and quality he brings to that team. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a one man band by any any manner. It means like uh, the result of Petodre. You know, I think uh, they've showed that they've showed that George George mentioned the other guys from from Burnley. I thought Dara Costello has done well for Dundee as well, and he, he came on. And Tony Dock makes a couple of good substitutions at half time, mm -hmm. or, or or certainly one. He brings on Mulligan for Mo Silla, who's I think his legs are done. I think he's putting such a big shift at Livingston on Saturday. It's very good. He brings on Salah. Hero at Livingston, he takes off Jordan he? McGee, who's been a stalwart, brings on Costello, but two guys that can actually run with the ball, Tom, and, and take it deep in Aberdeen. And Dundee were much better in the second half. And I think they well, they well merited their draw, you know, on another day. I, I suppose where Dundee are now. A few of the fans on the bus coming back, George, were, were actually saying... We should have really taken the three points from this game. And that's where Dundee have got themselves. Went, uh, they've put themselves in a right good position and they've got good players all over the park now. And suddenly, you know, suddenly I think there is, a lot of fans have got their eye on a top six slot and there's no reason why why they shouldn't. I think that looking at the way they're playing and you look at the teams around them, I think they've got a right good chance. They've got a couple of games, two or three games coming up where they can go and collect a few more mm -hmm. points. Do that and they could find themselves, you know, in the top six and then they can take on from there. And like we, just, we touched on earlier, if the lad Merlin can start doing something no other Dundee player has done, start scoring regularly. goals at this level, they have got a really good chance. St Mirren's current form is only going in one direction. Mm -hmm. Hibs yeah. don't particularly look like producing a yeah. resurgence. Kilmarnock are having a great season, but in terms of starting 11, so I don't see much to fear from Dundee yeah. and, and, and Kilmarnock's team. Really, when you look at that top six, yeah, there, there isn't nothing to be um, massively afraid of. And there's just a, it's kind of intangible sometimes, but it feels like there's momentum around there is, Sunday. Uh, the, you know, the off-the-pitch off, yeah, yeah. off yeah. stuff, the signings, Beck coming back, Mellon's debut, it just feels like a good place to be and results can come from that. I was sitting here last week worrying that they were running out of steam because mm -hmm. the hectic uh, schedule. Uh, at the end of January. But, I mean, th those four points and... and and the boost, as mm -hmm. Alan says, of Beck and Mellon. And, and I, I think always sticks in my throat. But no, I think I think you really have to praise uh, Tim Keyes and John Nelms yeah. for the backing of given Tony Doherty. I mean, I saw I saw in your uh, one of your reports, George Tony Doherty saying we were without eight players at Pataudry, which was a saving in itself because it's probably the first time this season Dundee have been able to just use one team bus. They've got so <laughs> many players. <laughs> There's a big squad. Um, I was just doing the the numbers just before it came on. Twenty eight currently. Expecting one more at least to be added today. Uh, John McCracken's yeah should be announced by the time this what's, podcast comes what's out. What's the thinking thinking behind another goalkeeper, George? I th it's mainly because of injuries. I think um, is the thinking. We'll be up to speak to the manager uh, this afternoon, so pick his brains properly on that. But 
Uh, my understanding is because Trevor Carson's had that knee problem, he can't pl- he can't really play on AstroTurf. Uh-huh. Um, he's, he's carried that for a while, I think. To say I thought uh, Harry Sharp likes... was excellent at Livingston. Yeah, he's yeah, come on. He was, and and uh, Tony Dorkey um, made a real point to point that out that, that Harry Sharp had done really well, and obviously made a really good penalty save. Um, but he's he's still learning. He's still young. I, th- I think um, they just wanted both of their options. I think obviously Adam Legston said that that issue at Kilmarnock, and I think. The manager just felt that he wanted a, an extra body in there to, if if that happens, I, I think McCracken will probably come in as the as the number two. Um, does, does that open the door then? Shot. I mean, as as well as you, you want cover, I mean, it's just seemed excessive to have four goalkeepers on your books for yeah. three months. Is there a chance that Legsons could go on loan tonight? At this, this yeah, Is could there be a late development? Possibly. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if one of them did, uh, either Leicester's or Sharp, obviously, because, as you say, four goalies is, is too many. Um, you can actually see the sense in both if, if Leicester's mm. at, at an age where he wants to play. And, and having seen... Mm-hmm. I thought Harry Sharp was a, a lot more commanding and confident mm-hmm. uh, than I'd seen him previously when I saw him on Saturday at Livingston, and you wonder... Did, is Tony Doherty thinking, well, another half season playing mm. regular first team football uh, is only going to bring him on? Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't do him any harm at all, you wouldn't have thought, um, in terms of his development, because otherwise he is going to sit on the bench for, for much of the season, unless something happens like that come on a game where Trevor Castle's not playing and, and if it's McCracken or, or Legston, uh, it has to come off. Um, it's it's kind of th- a whole lot of things had to fall into place for for Harry to get back on the pitch. Uh, it was good to see him back on the pitch because he's 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 a right good lad and um, he's a good good young goalkeeper as well. But he's still, mm-hmm. I think we can see he's, he's still learning. He's made some good saves in his time and he's done really well. Um, he's taken his chance when it's come along, but I think Tony Dock is in the in the situation where he can he can bring in. A more experienced keeper. Um, and and, and go, I mean, going back out. to that general point about the back end that Tony Doherty's got, and, he, and he's he's, he's used utilised that back end really well. I mean, there's a lot. He got replacements at the start of the month or into the month for Beck. A lot of clubs, understandably at boardroom level, would say, well, you, you've spent your money. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry the boy's available to come back, but the money's gone. But this, they seem to have found the money for that. The one thing I would always say about... Uh, yeah, sorry, George. One thing I would always say about Keys and Nelms, any manager they've had has been backed in transfer. Go, go back to Jim McIntyre and, and, and Mark McGee. They've been allowed to bring players in. All, James McPake, d- James weeks McPake, before he was sacked, was getting you know, money. Neil, Neil McCann, they've all been backed. Mm-hmm. You know, that they've never ever, I've never ever, as, as long as I can remember, Tom, I've never heard you, when you were working on the desk, you coming and saying the manager was unhappy because he couldn't bring a player in because the, the budget was gone. They always seem to find a way to bring players in. Now, sometimes, and quite a number of times, they brought in a lot of players and it didn't work out. And their fingers have been burned, and you can understand why maybe at this point in time they would go, well, no, we're, we're doing all right here. We're not going to start bringing in X, Y, and Z when we're, we're doing away okay. But they've always backed their managers. And as Alan touched on right at the start of the podcast, some of the stuff they've done in this transfer window, I think, is as good as any, mm-hmm. anybody in Scotland. I was going to say, you, you have to say, so it's a bit easier for them to yeah. give, give a manager money when you're using it as well as yeah. Tony Doherty uh, has used it so far. I mean, it always strikes me, Alan George Orbeer, that Beck, great signing. Tiffany, you can... You, He's taking time to settle and adjust, but you can see why he's got that ability. Other areas of the park, he's brought in young players and whatnot, but right down the spine of the team, it's tried and tested mm-hmm. Premier League standard players, and that's been a big thing, isn't it? I think so. I think and it's, it's, a, it's a wise move. It's an experienced manager that, that's done that. I think uh, we saw Curtis May, and I think uh, looking at Curtis, I think he's, he looks a, he looks fit. But he looks as though he's lacking match sharpness. Mm-hmm. He looks a wee bit away from that at this point in time. But he's got an 18-month contract, and I think he'll do a good job for Dunny because he's a tried and tested Premier League player. You know what you're going to get from him. He's got a history of scoring goals. He's got a history of doing the job up front for teams. 
you know, and and not being complimented by the other players, the real yeah. quality, the, the, you know, Owen Beck, outstanding. The guy Mellon look as, looks as though he could have the same sort of impact. Dara Costello, like George said, we heard a few things from St. Johnson fans saying that nah, he wasn't, wasn't fantastic. Well, I've been quite impressed. And he fits, he fits the bill of a young player who is fit, who is, is quite athletic, gets up and down the park really well. And you look around you, the, the squad that Dundee have got, and there's quite a, quite a number of them. You know, you look at, uh, you know, um, uh, Josh Mulligan and, and, and players like that, you know, they seem to have a, a squad fit of young lads who are, are, are they've brought legs to the team, mm -hmm. which is what you need in certain times in games, and it's working really well. And the manager, it's a, it's a big squad, but it looks like a happy squad. And he, but he's given everybody seems everybody to be getting their chance. Every for a, for a long time, most of them couldn't get a game. Yeah. Now he's back in the team. Lee Ashcroft. Going to get say a game. we've not mentioned Lee Ashcroft and he's been, this week. He's been Lee, yeah. Lee Ashcroft. Tony Doherty must be. You said uh, it was last week or the week before that Tony Doherty, because of the type Lee Ashcroft is, George, that he was happy to hang on to him. And I think the three games since he's come back in, or whatever it is, have demonstrated that because his he's, he's attitude and his, his readiness to play has been very, very impressive. Yeah, he's taken his chance, hasn't he? He's um, had to wait. A long time for that chance. His previous game before this month was in August, way back at St Mern. Um So you can see why people might have thought he'd, he'd be heading out this this month. There's certainly uh, a lot of interest from the championship because uh, Lee Ashcroft's a very good championship player. He can and he's shown he's got the abilities to come and defend in the in the Premiership. He's a good old-fashioned, uh, no-nonsense defender. Uh, Mm -hmm. Been a big fan of his since he's, he's done a great job for Dundee over the years, hasn't he? Scored um, another vital goal on Tuesday to get yeah. him that point at Pitodry. That kind of ro rolled the clock back a wee bit because he, he did. I think he I think he ended up. There was a calendar year where he scored about twelve goals or something like that. Yeah, he was just such a threat from uh, set pieces and that combined obviously with Beck's delivery on, on Tuesday um, and. Delighted for him because, as as we kind of talked about it a few weeks back, the, his his attitude is absolutely spot on. And, and Tony Docker made made point to point out uh, after the game at Aberdeen that it's a brilliant mentality and it's exactly games, what you want as a manager. He's been back in this month. A player is maybe not getting the name that sprung to mind game time. when I saw him was Sean Dillon. Sean Dillon used to he used to say to me he said. One of his pet hates were players who'd been out of the team because they'd been dropped, basically, for a while and then needed a game or two to come back. Sean used to say, I mean, and, and it happened to Sean a few times and he was very frustrated, but he said, the one thing you've got to be is absolutely ready to play. Uh, if you've not been injured, you've got no excuse for not being ready to play. And Lee Ashcroft, that, as I say, that put me in mind of those words because he was just absolutely ready from the first minute of his first game back and it was what four or five months since he'd played yeah it had been a long long time sorry I have no idea what I said there before I cut off um, <laughs> Wi-Fi issues it's okay George we weren't listening so it's, <laughs> just continue um, but it was it was great it's great to see him back because he kind of the whole team's changed basically over the the past mm -hmm. six seven months uh, since Tony Docky came in. But it's, it's good to see guys like Ashcroft and, and Jordan McGee continuing to to perform uh, in dark blue because um, you need that con continuity uh, to combine with the good young players. And that's something Major certainly said on Tuesday night that as much as he's got all these talented young players, he's got proper seasoned pros who know how to do it in this division um, and it'd be interesting to see when obviously they brought in the, the young lad Ryan Astor we've not seen him yet from from Everton he's a young centre-back and we've got Patales to come back in a, a few weeks and Donnelly to come back possibly back to training next week and, and Ricky Lamy may be fit for the weekend so it'd be interesting to see if Lee Ashcraft has done enough to, to keep his place, um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he has, because that's kind of the way doctors. Uh, be hard on him to drop him, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I, said, I mean, I mean, 
Oh, ah, 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 said George. I've never heard George flow as well as this before. I was going to say it's a big, big game on uh, Saturday, beer, but I mean, difficult uh, run of games they've had in terms of the, the coming thick and th- fast the last few weeks before the break. They had mm. both halves at Old Firm and whatnot. Hearts at Dens on Saturday, but they're still doing that thing that you've been saying since the start of the season. Average. If you can average more than the point yeah, of the game, you'll be yeah. okay. Well, we saw that. We we'll go back to the last three. They lose to Hearts, and it was a sore, a sore yeah. loss. And that, you know, in the past, you would have seen Dundee teams maybe taking a real knock from that and, and, and struggle to pick up points in the next few. But they bounced back quickly and picked up four points from the next two all away games. Yeah, I've got to say, so four points from three away games is a very good return. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Hearts game. I think it's set up to be an absolute cracker. Yeah. Hearts, Hearts are going well. They'll bring through a, a big, big support. Dundee are going well too, so it should be a ding-dong battle. I think oh, Dundee just have to, as always, keep your eye on Lauren Shankland because he could produce something out of nothing. That's that, that's a, my biggest fear with Hearts, but it's set up to be a cracker. And then Dundee go to St Mirren. It's one of these games where the two yeah. teams are both thinking, yeah. if we do what we did for, for a half, we'll win this game. Well, Hearts so now, they're both going Hearts to have a goal. Now, I think Hearts are now in a sort of... It's, it's a strange position they're in, Tom, because they're running away with third. Mm-hmm. But it gives them a freedom to go and play now, I think. Yeah. I don't see anybody catching them in third spot. I think they've got a good squad, they're playing well, they've got a, a nice mixture of experience, you know, and youth in there. They've got good legs, they've got guys, a guy like Lawrence Shankland who can go, get goals for nothing. So, yeah, they can play with a bit of freedom, but Dundee are getting to that point as well now too. Have they got real aspirations of getting in the, in the top six? Over the next three games, can they turn that four points that they've taken from the last three games into possibly six points? Because if they can do that from the next three games... And they'll, they'll start moving into that top six and solidifying their position in that top six. But, uh, yeah, really looking forward to the game on Saturday. Yeah, they're both, with their aims for the season, Alan, they're both in that situation where you think the managers are pushing the players hard just now because they're thinking we could get to where we want to be by the break. Yeah, I mean, I don't think motivation certainly is a, is a problem at all for, for Dundee. No. And, and especially Dundee will be seeing a door ajar for a, the sort of season that they would have been dreaming of mm-hmm. uh, at the start of it. Hearts, I mean, likewise, they um, they are going for what they probably would have privately expected their expectation to be. So it will be uh, an interesting one and I don't think there's anything to fear. For, for Dundee they were they have played them so recently and run them so close um, absolutely outclassed them on their own patch for 45 minutes mm-hmm. so there's no reason to to fear that was without Michael Mellon and Owen Beck so yeah a, a really interesting one and Hearts are a, uh, Hearts are the third best team in the country by some distance and they have a habit of grinding out results yes. but I don't think they've exactly been flowing no. so um yeah, uh, just to to sort of <laughs> conclude with the positivity that this part has mostly been about. It's, uh, I don't think there's anything to fear. I beck back, Melon here, as Alan says, hearts, you look at them and you think you've got a chance against them. This could be a famous Dundee victory on Saturday. Away we went on the coupon then, boys. <laughs> Time to cross the road. And Alan, why aren't you standing outside the EGM? Because it's cold. Because <laughs> leave them standing outside. That's because it's cold and they won't tell you anything until they're ready anyway. And because I need to sit here and speak to you too. <laughs> is, oh, that is the main reason. Sorry. No, it's um, yeah, AGM day, deadline day. So uh, the, the perfect day to be recording a podcast before any of these things happen. So that just it's uh, immediately out of date. That's, yeah, that's what you're after. Rather than listen to another failed old firm or uh, Aberdeen or Hibs or Hearts transfer this evening the Dundee and United fans can listen to the podcast be monitoring their phone and just you know press pause when news <laughs> comes helps. through of a United centre half uh, yeah it's a it, it's a funny deadline day because although it's not uh, optimal to be talking about it when people might be listening to this after the deadline has already passed I don't expect it to be a particularly hectic one I don't think this will be a case of four signings are going to make this terribly out of date United know exactly what they want and they might get it or they might not but there's not a sense of panic or scrambling or what it was last season which was 
they desperately need anyone. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and they got and to the stage where anyone would have done almost. Uh, well, yeah, per- perhaps, but they didn't even get that. But this window's been a really solid one. They they needed gaps in their squad filled, and they they filled them with Alec Grieve and, and David Wallerspoon. And going back to last summer, they built a decent squad with a bit of depth. As I say, they could do with that centre half um, because they didn't have a senior centre back on the bench uh, last weekend, which which obviously isn't ideal. But by the same token, Declan Gallagher's fit again um, in about two to three weeks. At which point you then have Ross Graham, Kevin Holt, and Declan Gallagher. You've got Scott McMahon, who's got experience of of playing centre half, and then you've got younger players who cards on the table have you although I've seen them at under 18s levels I've got no idea what happens if you throw yeah. a Sam Clell Harding or a or a Kier Berti into the, the starting lineup but that's the reality of being a championship club mm-hmm. we've all seen the you know the financial breakdowns that was um, you know in the accounts so the likelihood that you'll have you know two options for every single position is is slightly ambitious it's what you would like to have but um if they don't manage to get that by the end of the window, then they'll make do. And I think, from speaking to Jim Goodwin earlier this week, he, he seemed pretty calm about every permutation. So, yeah, they might get that one in. They're certainly still trying, and they will be trying until half past 11. Um, and there's a couple of people who I think would perhaps be um, surplus to requirements if the right option came along. Mark Berigetti's turned down interest from crew Alexandra um, that's after turning down interest from Bolton Wanderers and, and Hapwell last um, summer so whether or not something happens with him um, again you'll probably know listening to this um, and um, likewise you've got guys like Kieran Freeman who I can only imagine is really frustrated a very capable fullback who's only played seven games this season and, mm-hmm. and things like that so um, there could be a few guys that are um, that could have options in the next few hours if clubs do come in for them, which hasn't happened yet. So we're kind of waiting for things to to tick into gear at this point. But the overriding message, regardless of what happens when when you've listened to this, is that I think United will be fairly comfortable in their squad in the context of a championship season. I mean, Bear, is uh, is, is this a sign? I mean, it's, uh, I should start with this by saying it's it's hours since I've praised. Jim Goodwin, so it's overdue, <laughs> but it's a sign of the more uh, sensible, calm, practical approach. As Alan said, Jim Goodwin will or will have signed a centre half if he's good enough and if he's available by the deadline. If not, he won't panic. Mm-hmm. He'll get on with the job in the way he's got on with the job, and maybe fans, fans. Possibly still disappointed if one hasn't arrived. But the dressing room remains calm. This time last year, it must have filtered through to the dressing room when there seemed to be a panic about not getting players. It must sow the seeds of self-doubt among at least some players when they go, oh, well, the club were desperate for players. Were, yeah, were in I, a think, yeah, I would say, I, I would go the other way. I've, have you a player in the team? Do you really want to see another centre half coming in? You want to, you want to make sure that you're playing every single week. So the fact that they can't get anyone. If you're a left winger or a striker and you yeah. think you need a centre yeah, half, yeah. No, well, there is and that. And they look desperate uh, to get one. Of course there is that, and I think, you know, in an ideal ideal world, you know, um, Jim Goodwin would have had a centre half in by now. I think the fact that we're on the last hours of the the transfer window shows the situation Dundee United find themselves in. It might not be because they're not offering decent money to bring a centre-half in. It might be the fact that players don't want to actually come and play in the championship. And they probably don't want to come and play in uh, for a club that, for better or worse, Kevin Holt and Declan Gallagher absolutely yeah. have those positions yes. nailed down. Come, come along and be, at best, third-choice yeah, centre-back. there is that. And, uh, uh, Jim Goodwin's been cute this week, but I'm, I'm delighted to see Ross Green back in the team. I always felt Ross Green there's a player mm-hmm. in there. He's, he, he went off the rails a wee bit, and he, there was a time where he, he couldn't get himself in the team for one reason or another. He came back, he had a tough time coming back, but he's done well the last couple of games. And I noticed the manager's come out and praised him. And I think there's, there, there's a couple of things in that. One, he's getting praised because he has done particularly well in these games. But two, Jim Goodwin realises if he doesn't get another centre-half into the club, Ross Graham might have to feature more often than not between now and the end of the season. He needs to keep that his confidence high for all these games. Because, you know, United haven't been setting the header on fire recently. But the fact is that 
they're still at the top of the table. They put another point between themselves and Wraith Rovers last Saturday. So that's the, that's the positive side of things. They haven't been playing well, but they're still in the situation where they're in charge of their own destiny. So, um, you know, fingers crossed they can, they can get someone because I do believe that they, they do need cover there. But yeah. we're down to the nitty gritty now, Sam. Huh. So what? what and, but we should stress it is, it's a matter of quantity. Yeah. Obviously, quality is always a factor. Well, but yeah. they're not desperate for a no. centre half in terms of they need somebody who's better than they've got. They've got they've got three that are good. Ideally, you would like four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I mean, put in simplistic terms, if Ross Graham or Kevin Holt had got injured at the weekend, then Dundee United would have to probably place. He would probably play Scott McMahon at centre yeah. half. I would have it's thought. Either a kid or someone in yeah, the position. Yeah, exactly. So that's that, that's the situation. However, I think. The, the pragmatist in you and you know perhaps uh, you know in their current situation United will need to be pragmatic it tells you that in two or three weeks you could be in a position where you've got Kevin Holt, Declan Gallagher and Ross Graham mm-hmm. which is a selection of centre-halves that most clubs in the championship would be yeah. like as I say I think it's important to you know, see this in the context of the championship. Dundee United aren't gearing up for the second half of a Premiership season. No, Wraith Rovers, by comparison, at times in the first half of the season, lined up with central defences that had no central defenders in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, that is life yeah, in the championship. You can well, look, just looking at their goals against Colm. You yeah, yeah. you know, life in the championship is, uh, you know, it's uh, a footballing and financial uh, grind sometimes, and the best case scenario of having quality deputies in every circumstance, in every position, probably mm-hmm. isn't likely to be the case. So um, I think it's it's worth remembering that although you might not be in the ideal position in terms of having the depth for every single worst case scenario that could occur, you're still in a pretty good place when you consider the division you're in. Um, and it should be it should be enough. I mean, and and defensively isn't really where the <laughs> issues are at all, or where they have been at any point in this season. Um, getting the team uh, flowing yeah, and firing is the thing to do. That every other championship club yeah. would love to have one of them, but they are Dundee United, so Dundee United want four, yeah. and that's that's part of being a club that size, isn't it? And, and let's be honest, about a couple of, of blips in general, the defence has done really well yeah. this season. They keep, you know. Regardless, I mean, Saturday wasn't a brilliant performance, but they still managed to keep a clean sheet. And, uh, you know, that gives you great hope. But once that, once they the turn it in the other direction, once Fotheringham and Mole and Watt start banging in goals, what's the ball? Mm-hmm. United will start winning games again and start putting the three points on the board, which will, should start moving them away from the pack. Because I've got to say, Wraith Rovers, unless they get that defence sorted out, they're not going to finish top of the league. Jim Goodwin would never say this because uh, it's, it's bad PR and he's a very savvy operator, but I think they'll be delighted to be back on the road this weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they, they are, they're struggling at Tanadice to break down what has become quite a familiar challenge. And uh, this shouldn't sound like a criticism or in any way patronising to Dunfermline but they've, or any other team in the Championship, but they all come to Tanadice and play a, a similar way, which is um, really organised banks uh, with very few gaps between the lines to play through. And United have struggled to break that break that down. That is not... They, they face it to an extent away from home. Teams aren't coming gung-ho for them. But on home soil, teams won't ex- accept that. There's always a, well, come on, come out and do something uh-huh. from their own fans. And that, that filters onto the pitch. And there are more spaces on the road. And you only need to look at the, you know, United's... United's away form is spectacular. Yeah. Eight wins and two uh, draws from 10 games is, is fantastic. So it's... Um, and their, their home form is a bit disappointing. But one thing it's not for a team at the top of the championship with their sort of reputation... It's not unique, is it? No. Because uh, we, we can pick all sorts of holes in the championship, but one thing you can never criticise clubs is a lack of organisation. Ever ever since they've been seen as bona fide title challengers, Wraith Rovers' home record has been poor as well. Yeah. Because teams have altered their perception uh-huh. of how to play against Wraith Rovers. And, yeah, as you're absolutely bang on in what you say. Teams in the championship are more than capable of putting up a organising a kind of stoic defensive resistance if that's your kind of primary and sole focus. It's a, see if you say a point is a success from this match, 
that's a lot easier to set up for. It's a lot mm. harder to go and win a football match than it is to say, do you know what? A point would be a success for us, and if we can win it, if there's a circumstance that allows us to win it, then we'll, we'll certainly take that. But it's 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 really it's a lot harder to win a football match than it is to win slash draw it because it totally changes your yeah. Your, and your I focus. mean, in a way, United are victims of their early season big mm. wins because the Championship is not traditionally a league with high high scoring games. You don't. I mean. Nobody's too surprised that Falkirk have clicked in League One and they're winning games three, four and five quite regularly. But it, historically, it, it was surprising that United, and there have been bigger teams than United in the Championship, were winning four, five and six yeah. for a few weeks. Yeah. Because Championship teams do not lose a lot of goals. No, and they, and they did it early doors. They were running over the top of teams. I think our both has won the team they're playing on Saturday. Yeah. Right? Was normal. I, I think Alan's spot on in his assessment of how teams line up. And, you know, you just wonder if, if, if teams will recognise the fact. You wonder if they have had their fingers burned from that, that last game against Dundee United. And maybe, you know, maybe teams may start sitting a bit tighter. But it's hard. It's hard. Area United will have their, your home fans didn't want to see you lined up defensive and just sitting back and no. allowing it. Any team doesn't matter New who manager they are. as well. Yeah, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter who they are in the championship coming to your own park and dictating. So, uh, yeah, obviously there's a Scott yeah. Brown factor. They had a good win last week. Scott Brown him. doesn't want to put no. park the bus in his first home game. I think yeah. it is. I, I think one thing it is worth saying though because. I think that sort of meandering monologue there made it sound like I was kind of mitigating an awful <laughs> lot from from a Dundee United perspective. They also weren't good enough. No, well, let's be I, absolutely yeah. blunt about that. Like that, it's difficult to break down these defences, but it's even more difficult if you don't do the aspects of your job that you can control, mm -hmm. which are moving the ball fast, trying to zip through the lines in one pass rather than three. It was too pedestrian. It wasn't good enough. The final ball was bad. The set pieces were poor. All things that you could do to potentially break down that challenge so while it is a tough challenge and supporters really should acknowledge that I think there's, there'll be an acceptance within Tanadice that what they did to, to potentially yeah. impose themselves in the game and actually break down that stubborn challenge uh, they didn't do good enough so there'll be a, there'll certainly be a demand for, for better when you consider the absolute you know again in the context of the championship just a swathe of attacking talent that they've got on the books mm -hmm. and they are you know they're, they're a hard-working squad aren't they they don't and jim goodwin demands that they don't look at it and say well this is just the way it is this is what we'll have to put up with the rest of the season they'll be looking at ways of making sure they do break down defenses yeah i mean so you would expect nothing less from a team that jim goodwin's in charge of that that's a that's a you know, given that you, you, your team's going to run from the first minute to the last minute, but sometimes it boils down. You you need that wee bit of quality that Dundee need have got in their ranks before them. We spoke last week. How is he going to set up? And he gave he gave Tony Watt the nod. He got and then mm -hmm. obviously Mo came on. It'll be interesting to see who starts this week. But you need these boys that have got the quality to produce. Sometimes it takes a moment of individual brilliance to to, to open the door for you. And once you've done that. It forces other teams higher. Yeah. Are they going to sit tight, or are they going? Are they going to come out? But Alan's right. When you're when you're at home, you you do need to to, to look to move the ball uh, just a wee bit quicker at times to expose teams because they're so well drilled. And we saw. I go back to that game Dundee against Cove Rangers when every you know, there was almost ten thousand Dundee fans at that game that night, and every to a man thought they were going to run over the top of Cove and Cove Rangers a mixture of part time and full time yeah. players well drilled. Well set up, they get out of there with a point, you know. Oh. So, you know, if Cove Rangers can do it, then the vast majority of teams in that league can do it. And yeah, they're going to make life as difficult as possible for you. Aye, and that, I mean, teams like that, the only press they're involved in for all it's the one of the catchwords <laughs> of the word yeah. gave is when they speak to the press after the game, they ain't coming out their own half <laughs> in 90 minutes at Tannadice. And you just you feel for. Uh, United fans, as as you would for Dundee fans last season at times, Hearts previously, Rangers, yeah. Hibs, and I, uh, very often it's a it's a frustrating season. Not just because mm -hmm. you're in a in the division you don't want to be, but just because of the nature of the games, the, and you totally understand. Also, I think it's quite important to, in terms of a sort of bigger picture, looking at it. There's a lot of responses such as, well, if you look at that. 
then what is this team going to do if it does get promoted? It would be straight back down from the Premiership. It's a different game. I just don't think it's in any way relevant. And I think you're talking about Dundee last season. They are the perfect example mm -hmm. of that. And there's a lot of comparisons. First of all, you've got 14 senior players out of contract. It, it yeah. would probably be a, a, a renewed, recycled Dundee United team that were to come out. But also the games would look totally different. Mm -hmm. The Premiership football clubs would not come to Tanadice against a newly promoted Dundee United and play the way the Championship clubs do. So I don't think there's any relevance whatsoever. The challenges in the Championship are such as they are and there will be a lot of frustrating afternoons. The emphasis is just to get out of that yeah. division and then you think about building a team and building a playing style more suited for what you might come up against see, in, the, in the Premiership. I say to fans, forget about the Premier League. Yeah. The most important thing, get first out. and foremost, get yourself out of that championship. And at this point in time, they're doing what they've got to do. They're at the top of that league. Now, they've not been, you know, setting the heather on fire recently, but neither's Wraith Rovers. So mm -hmm. there's still a gap between them and Park So it's still a two horse race. The United aren't but, losing while they're not playing no, as well as they could. I, I, Four it, points from the last two games yeah, when they haven't played the way they wanted to. Defensive solidity gives you a foundation to go when you do start firing. Go and, go and start picking up th three points again. But, you know, I think they need, they need a couple of things to go for them as well. You know, I think they've been a wee bit unfortunate the way games have panned out recently. Sometimes, it, instead of a moment of bronze, just a, a corner kick and a coming off the back of somebody's head and end mm -hmm. up in the back of the net, you know, that, that'll do, that'll do for starters. But it's going to be tough on Saturday. You know, we've seen that Scott Brown comes in and suddenly he, he gets a result. But you look at the quality in that Dundee United side, you would, you would fancy them to go. They just need... They need something to get them going. You know, they need yeah. they need something, a goal, you know, a decision going for a penalty kick, something like that, just to just to get them put get them breathing a wee bit easier and playing a bit playing a bit more, you know, taking a bit of the pressure off, I think. United, because they're in the championship, because of who they are, pressure goes with it with a job. That's just just the way it is. You know, no Dundee United fans can feel sorry, but nobody else in the championship is going yeah. to feel sorry for Dundee no. United. They'll just go, look at the size of squad you've got, look at the amount of money you're paying your uh -huh. players. So nobody's going to feel sorry for Dungeon United. So Dungeon United have got to take it on with their job in hand. And there's absolutely no, uh, you know, sense that anyone is asking for sympathy, which is the positive thing. No. Like I think it would be easy for Jim Goodwin to come out and shrug and moan about teams coming and never, never been a manager like that. Park the bus, but there's no sense of that. It's the conversation he acknowledged that Dunfermline played in a certain way, but the conversation beyond that was largely about what Dundee United need to do better, and that needs to be the focus. This is maybe also why he was happy to make so many changes last summer, because how many teams have we seen come down, retain a large chunk of the squad that got relegated? <laughs> And they do feel, you see it at the start of the season, they feel sorry for themselves. Uh, I think, I think they're they, like, oh, I want to be at Ibrox Parkhead, but Audrey. I think they need to change the squad came from Mr. Ogren, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. So you did see that wage bill, didn't you? Last <laughs> I was trying to be positive. Mm. Talking to Mr. Ogren, he's over for the, the AGM. In a way, is, is he probably nipped a lot of the angst, if you like, uh, in the bud by what he did? A couple of weeks ago or so that would maybe be a, f a fair s summary albeit i'm kind of loath to say so in case we leave this room and it turns out there was three chairs that, thrown at the I, agm well but... I, I, I certainly don't <laughs> think there'll be party poppers and party hats at the no, agm but uh, yeah there's been the, there has been uh, consequences and ramifications and reactions to, to relegation, which I think is what supporters would want. The the sporting director's gone, the head of recruitment's gone, the, re the whole recruitment department has been completely ripped up um, mm -hmm. and needs to be rebuilt. Um, the wage bill's been cut by a couple of million. Things that shareholders in that room would demand have been done. So um, there'll be a lot of questions about the, you know, the, the future succession plans, you know, whether... Uh, Mark Ogren's looking to recoup a certain amount of money for his investments. All these things that supporters are interested in, you know, stadium issues in terms of how much it costs to the upkeep of Tanadice and um, how much fans might be um, in the back of a recent survey asked to, to contribute towards that cause. There's um, a lot of things that I think um, the shareholders would be interested to hear from Mark Ogren and Luigi Capuano at the, at the AGM. But as you allude to, um, I suspect... If there is any residual anger about what happened last season, they will seek to people uh, point to people who have left mm -hmm. the club as a um, as a you know a sense of 
uh, taking uh, ownership of, of the mistakes, albeit I'm sure there will be a lot of people that um, uh, w- would um, kind of point to Mark Ogren's culpability in that as well. And that oh, that yeah. Was, that's like kind of you say, it's, the, the, it's, a bit like, it's a bit like the failure to break down that defence. He's, he's, he's been honest about it, but he could, he could have done better. Yeah, it got a, I mean, without being in Mark Ogren's head, I don't know what happened, but the season got away from him, uh, it seems mm-hmm. like. And um, before he knew it, he had clearly signed off on things that proved to be disastrous. And I'm sure he has a, a lot of regrets. He's, um, I mean, I spoke to him last August and he... Um, you know, you, you you try to ask four or five questions, all angled towards digging into those uh, regrets and mistakes. And he certainly isn't one for um, focusing on the past. He's got that quite um, American focus on the future mm-hmm. and the next challenge. Yeah. And you don't uh, kind of <laughs> focus on the things you can't do anything about because they're in the past. But and at the same time, and just you mentioned last August, they were on such a high. It's that old thing: the further you fall, the sorer it is when you land. But he's got up. And got on with the journey, hasn't he? Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Um, it certainly seems that way. So, um, yeah, who knows what uh, the, uh, the 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 vibe will be uh, in the room? Will certainly um, it'll be easy enough to find out um, after we finish recording. But uh, I don't, as you rightly say, I think a lot of the consequences and repercussions that people wanted from last season have occurred. I don't think anybody can say mm-hmm. that United have just shrugged their shoulders after relegation and kept the same personnel and kept the same methods and just went, oh, well, it'll be fine next time. Yeah, there, the one question there have been consequences. Be today is, and what have you done about it? Exactly. Because he's, he, he has taken exactly. action. Fans mm. or uh, shareholders will, will perhaps be, be angry, want to hear you know, what, what Mark Ogren was thinking last season, uh-huh. things like that. However, I don't think they can claim that, that um, there haven't been consequences following relegation. And bear it, I mean... Uh, uh, Across my mind, I, I suspect that Mark Mark Ogden is too nice, too honest, too upfront. But a good old-fashioned Scottish chairman going into this AGM today, as soon as a player couldn't have been registered for last Saturday, anyone that Jim Goodwin had lined up, he would have said, "Well, just keep that for the AGM Saturday." Yeah. yeah. So, well, <laughs> maybe that's what they'll do. Yeah, he might have won. He might have misjudged Mister Ogden. He's maybe left Scottish football. He might have won in his hipper. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. That'd, that'd be a good way to start the proceedings. But you know, everybody's at the AGM, and, and if you go to these things, you know, there are a few punters going. There's a sense of anger. I would say, look at the the man who is, is probably feeling the worst. Worst of all, be Mark Ogden. He's sitting uh-huh. with, you know, he's pumped in north. Of 10 million quid time into this, into this club you know yeah. and they're currently sitting in the second tier of Scottish football so never, I've never known an owner to get any sympathy for that from no, fans no, you're, you're right but that, that should life be is, life's often hard and wrong but that's just the way it is that, that, that should be remembered you know moving forward he, he would admit to making mistakes of course and everybody does make mistakes but it's not Everybody makes mistakes. It's how, how you go about it. It's how you respond. It's how you react to mistakes. You don't make the same mistakes twice. And I think he's doing that. And it, you know, United are in a situation now that, uh, you know, well, nobody likes to see them in the second tier, you know, but they're still spending more money than any other club in that league. There's no doubt about that, you know, but it's imperative to get themselves out of that. And that's where that's where the, the, the pressure comes from. And fans and inevitably think they should do better, especially at home. You would say that, un- unfortunately, that they haven't been fantastic at home this season. Their, their best form has been on the road. They've been decent at home, mm-hmm. but they haven't been fantastic. And, that, and that's where they're getting eight thousand fans turning up most weeks. And and you know, I, I don't. You were there, Alan, last week, and I, I, at full time, I believe there was a few boos ringing around the, the stadium. But I think, you know, the club is still moving in the right direction. The owner is still. He come out, you know, a few weeks ago. He's still committed, although he, he has sort of intimated that he's. He's not here for the long term. Forever, no. Maybe maybe he's been here. I think you said, Alan, he's, he's probably been here longer than he will, will be in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, so th- th- there could be moves afoot. But for him to sort of get Again, any... Again, he doesn't realise how hard it is yeah. to sell a Scottish football well, club. Well, for him to get any sort of chunk of his money back, you've got to think that surely they've got to be in the top flight if, if there is mm-hmm. going to be further investment coming in for him is to find some sort of exit strategy. But... While he's here, he's still committed to getting this club out of this out of this division. I think that's a good thing. And I have to say, I mean, when it com- when it comes to all their their problems, I'm much more interested in 
what they're doing going ahead. For me, get promoted. He's shown that he's he's he's, he's cut the budget. He's trimmed uh, the workings of the club to a, uh, an acceptable size and and financially. And that that's what I want to see just now. We can have a COVID style public inquiry at United <laughs> in the summer if you want, once they're promoted and once they're ready. But it is, and I think most most fans are most concerned about what's happening on mm-hmm. the park. And then if if they get the home form tweaked so that they're getting three points uh, every home game, keep their away form going, you're going to be happy. I mean, they, ha- they had their COVID-style inquiry in the summer. I mean, the, the notes within those accounts just absolutely... You know, albeit not mentioning names or anything, it basically filleted the the you know the structure mm-hmm. and the decision makers from last season um, in its assessment of going over budget and, and and several other aspects. You know, the club's communication, the club's you just wish everything were about that it. Thorough, a year or two before, eh? You certainly do. Yeah, you absolutely. Really do, and I don't have the same skin in my game as, as United fans do, so I can. I, I'm, I'm I, assured I, I, that I, frustration will be there. I was both. I mean that 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 whole the way they've looked at the, the way the club was operating impressed and bemused me because it was so thorough that I don't really understand why they weren't that thorough before. Maybe they got like this all. Well, we get carried away with a bit of success, don't we? But the the I mean the the key thing on that would be how do you do a proper post mortem on the way the club has been run when those that are running the club effectively are still there. Yeah, that's why. So, um, the 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 absences and and the changes in personnel at the football club have allowed for them those that remain to take a step back and say, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? Uh, what were the problems? So, um, the hope that those problems have been rectified. But you know, you're discussing looking to the future, and yeah, there's some really interesting things in that. Probably the key one would be from a supporters' perspective would be how do you rebuild that recruitment department? They're still, yeah. uh, you know, they're looking for a head of scouting whether you want to call that head of recruitment, whatever. Um, I don't think a sporting director will be directly replaced, but nevertheless, they need a whole new infrastructure in that regard, and it will be very important should they get promoted going into next season. And it's always an important thing that United, right down from kids' yeah. level, because they've got such a rich tradition of producing players. Yeah, f- fans are kidding themselves if they think that there'll be a big spend next season if they do get promoted. It will be done sensibly, and for that, I think they will need a bigger scouting network than just Jim and Luigi Capuano's contacts, which mm-hmm. uh, that is not me being sniffy. They've done a really good yeah, job um, in the last couple so of windows, I think. However, you can see from the style of signings that it's been shopping in a limited pool. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the signings have been um, sensible, if unspectacular, and very competent and have done the job. But if you're stepping up into the top flight, mm-hmm. you're probably going to need a bit more inspiration. About where are you going to find an own Beck? It's about yeah. having a wee bit of a, a an expanded network, and um, I'm sure they'll look to have that recruitment side, um, um, you know, rebuilt by you know Touchwood if they were to go back up. I think that's a really um, interesting one to keep an eye on. Great stuff, guys. I mean, the only issue we've not covered this week are, are Jim Goodwin and Scott Brown going to tackle each other in the dugouts <laughs> on Saturday just for old times' sake. I think they're both going for that sort of we're sensible grown-ups rebranding, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's funny because it actually there's Scott Brown's kind of trying to do a Jim Goodwin visibly, like yeah. ever since he appeared in the. Even grew hair. I was going to mm-hmm. say he, it's like he, um, he he grew hair, started speaking a little bit slower and a little bit um, I don't want to say posher, but like uh-huh. he's like he was very very careful about how he was enunciating himself in interviews and stuff. And I was thinking, you you're doing that thing that Jim Goodwin did, didn't you? You don't want to be that snarling. Uh, player, I must. Admit, I like seeing Scott Brown snarling. I think it's quite loved, good. I always yeah. liked Scott Brown for right back to his hips days. But I just, I've just got. It. I wouldn't like to be a player that's on the receiving no. end of a tackle on uh, no. Saturday because you could just see Jim Goodwin and Scott Brown going. That wasn't a tackle, son. Get off. <laughs> Stephen Whitaker's a nice guy as well. Uh, but really interesting to see how they uh-huh. do it. They, how, how they. Uh, how they both do it here United and Stephen Whitaker that cut his teeth a bit in the coaching at Dunfermline he's a good guy so um, I actually for, you know from a non-United perspective really interested to see how, how Aid are looking when we go down there I always have to, I have to say uh, you, one of the benefits of our job is you always got a wee in, insight into people because I mean uh, Scott Brown Neil Lennon was another one they were uh, 
de wie niet raw meat on the park are in the dugout and there is but Neil Lennon because you do it every game and any time Scott Brown came in the press room would speak to the West Coast boys they all they were always came across as real yeah. obliging helpful uh, nice guys yeah. which you, you should never just judge people as they were on the park except me I was hopeless off the park and on the park <laughs> If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, 